firm foundation. Why is it important for us to have a firm foundation? Because there things going to happen in your life that you need a firm foundation to be resting on? Yep. If everybody wants to flash back about a year ago, maybe, I don't know, 15, 16 months ago, I did a sermon on foundation in Christ. And if you remember the picture of the lighthouse up there off the coast, coast of Oregon. And if they had just built the lighthouse and just stuck it on top of there and waited for the first storm to come along, it's gone, right? right? They had to anchor the thing into the rock. They had to make the lighthouse and the rock one for it to survive the storms. And I'm going to warn you right now, um, my heart's heavy. Been a lot of attacks against this fellowship. I mean, Curvin losing his house. Joy losing her nephew. And newborn baby went to be with the Lord. The parents had to make a very hard decision to take the baby off life support. So is it important that we have a firm foundation? Because we know things like this are going to happen. We don't like it. But if we wait until the storms show up, and then say, Jesus, where are you? The better question is, where are you? Why did you not take the time to drive your anchors down deep into me? So that when the storms come, you're going to stand. foundation has to be firm in him, has to be strong in him. And this is an admonition to every single one of us, whether you have young children or not, you know, you know, as the parade again left the room, they're precious lives, gifts from God. We can't take for granted with any of this that we have tomorrow. And so what are we doing with today? And you're going to hear me say this over and over again as long as God allows me to come up here and speak to you. Is if today is the only day that you get into the word of God, if it's the only day that your children go downstairs and hear the word of God, the foundation's not firm. Every single day, as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, grandparent, whatever your situation is, you have to be putting the word of God into yourself and into them every single day because that's the only way the foundation is going to become firm. It's the only way that when things come against you, when Satan's what is Satan's plan for us? It's pretty simple, isn't it? He doesn't have anything good in him that he's going to give to us. He wants to steal life. He wants to kill 
the dreams that you have. He wants to destroy everything that you've built. Any questions on what Satan's plan is? So knowing that he wants to kill you, kill your life, kill your family, kill this church, we've got to root ourselves deeply into the rock who is Christ. Last month was welcome home. And even though January's over, welcome home. We're not going to just say that that's done. That's the whole reason that we are here, is to become a home, a fellowship, where we can love each other and where, where when something happens to somebody else, it hits us, that we're a family here, that when something happens to any one of you, it affects every one of us. Growing up, Ann and I have five children. We just added our fifth grandchild last week. And they're a gift from God. But the things that they go through in their lives, I can't protect them. They're all adults. They all live five to 12 hours away from us. But they're still my family. And one of the things that they didn't get the concept of for a long time was, is if one of them was hurt, if somebody bullied them, if somebody said mean things against them, it hurt me. And that's what you guys are. That's what we're needing to be. That's what we are becoming is a family. When somebody says something against you, when somebody says you're not valuable, when you have no worth, that you're a waste of life, it's a lie. And we need to be able to say, it's not true. You're a child of God. You're part of my family. And when somebody says something about you, we should stand up against that. So what is our foundation? This church is built on Christ, right? Okay. This church is built on Christ because it's made of people. It's made up of families. Families are built on covenant marriage. Go even so far as say this country was built on godly principles. And so the things that Satan's coming against to try and destroy are marriage covenants. If he can break up families, if he can break up a husband and wife, what's that do to the family? Breaks the family up, weakens the family. And if he can weaken families, What's it do to the church? Weakens the church. And that's why we see the state this country's in. is because he's done a great job of destroying the church and its witness and its testimony and the power that we have in Jesus Christ. And we see the effects of that today. Part of building this church on Christ as a family is to follow the biblical model. You look through the Old Testament, even the New Testament. There's so many times that they gather together as one big family. You know, the church in the wilderness that Moses led, millions strong, and God fed them every day. They gathered together. They gathered the food together, then they ate. 
And that's why we keep doing the things that we do around here is to get you guys to know each other besides just the, I see them on Sunday. It's about investing in each other's lives. It's about becoming a part of each other's lives. And the foundation this church was built on, families, the plan that God has for it, the vision that God has for it. We announced last week that um, God's plan continues to move forwards. You know, the elders, as we met over these last couple of years, the things that we've encountered, the things that we've prayed about, the things that we've fasted about, is God's plan is for this church to be led by a pastoral team. And AJ and I have been part of that. The elders have been part of that. And the thing that we were very strongly convicted of is that we need to have a third member of the pastoral team. Is a three-strand cord is not easily broken, right? We see that in Scripture. And that's where we're at today. We've kind of been giving some announcements that things were changing, that God's unveiled a new part of this plan. And that's where we're at today, is that we have a family that will be joining part of the pastoral team here in the near future. The timing of that is yet to be determined, but God's plan's been unveiled. You know, the, the hours and the hours of sermons that we watched for candidates that had applied for the position here. The resumes, I think there was 23, 24 different applicants and resumes that we looked through, prayed over, interviewed them via Zoom and FaceTime conferences, is in God's timing in a way that I'm going to say I wasn't expecting, God shows up. So at this time right now, we want to unveil, if you will, part of God's plan for this house. And we have a short video that's going to reveal a lot to hey! you. Hey! We're the Spencer family! Good to see you guys! So good to see you guys! We are super excited because Holy Spirit has been doing a major work in that region, in that area. And while we were home, we heard from the Lord and we really believe that He is calling us back into the area to be a part of what He's doing there. There's something that is bubbling up in the spirit and we are super excited to say yes to that. We are going to be joining your pastoral yeah. team at the end of August, beginning of September and we are completely privileged to be a part of your church community. We love you guys and we cannot wait. We're super excited. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> so we are really feeling blessed to get to come back and be a part yes. of the family there at Praise yes. Fellowship Church, but to also see what God is going to do, not just at Praise, but throughout the region. We yeah. really feel yeah. like uh, the first fruits nights of prayer and worship that happened at the beginning and the offset of 23, that there was a spiritual breakthrough. Yeah, yeah. And we sense a unity in the spirit amongst the body of the region. Um, and we can't wait to join in with that. We are just like overjoyed at the opportunity uh, and the calling that God's called us to. So we look forward to coming back and, yes. uh, and being with you guys at the end of the summer. Woo! And uh, in the meantime, hopefully we will get to uh, zoom in sometimes or shoot some more videos to send your way. But uh, We're praying from, for you guys. Yes, We're with yes. you and we so Absolutely. look forward to running alongside you. Uh, <laughs> be blessed. We love you guys. Be blessed, you guys. Bye. Bye. Yes, yes, yes. Bubbling in three, two, one.
It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. With singing and laughing, since Jesus made me whole. Folks don't understand it, nor can I keep it quiet. But it's bubbling, 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 bubbling day and night. Good word, isn't it? So there's the unveiling, if you will, of God's plan as we move forward into this next season for Praise Fellowship. The vision is still the same. The Spencers joining us, they're about fellowship. They're about praise. They're about building relationships within the church and within the region. So that's God's plan. That's where we're at. Um, it's good news. It's part of building that foundation with an even firmer rooting into Christ. This month's theme, theme as we're into February is family and fellowship. And that's going to be the theme through this month. Um, Eric Hamilton will be joining us next week, continuing the theme. Um, and then AJ will be coming in in a couple weeks, and then I'll finish up the month. Um, or no, AJ, other way around. Um, bear with me, people. This morning's message is Feed My Sheep. And if you have your Bibles... Please turn to John chapter 21. An important aspect of family and fellowship, and if you've been around churches for any time frame of your life, is food is a big part of it, right? Potlucks, you know, Sunday dinners. It's all part of building that relationship. And so, again, um, this coming Thursday, as the announcement said, family night um, on Thursday the 9th, is we encourage you to come out and if you've never been to one, come check it out. Come get to know some people that you've only seen their faces across the sanctuary. Um, it's about building that foundation of a fellowship together. Um, John chapter 21 is where the message is focused on this morning. So keep in mind that this is after Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, and he's already appeared to the disciples a couple of different times when we get to this part of the story. And the seven, seven of the disciples had gone out fishing and they'd caught nothing. And Jesus is on the shore and they don't recognize him. And he calls to them and commands them, put the net out on the other side. And what happens? They catch more than their nets can handle, and they struggle to get them onto the boat. And at that point, Peter recognizes that the veils are ripped off his eyes, and he recognizes that it's the Savior. And he dives in and outswims the boat, gets there before they do, which is not a surprise. And he's already got a fish and bread breakfast ready for him. They had the boatload of fish, but yet he already had fish on the grill ready for him, right? The provision was there. But what I want to focus on is a little later on is the, his discourse with Peter. And we all know that Peter denied him three times on the night that Jesus was being tried and 
before his crucifixion. <clears throat> but as Jesus is talking to him in verse 21, or excuse me, chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, After they had finished dining, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? And Peter answered, said, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And part of what I want to talk with this passage that Jesus and Peter are having this discussion is it, it demonstrates the weakness of our English language is if you've ever heard a teaching on the word love in the Greek, the English language is, I'm going to say pathetic, <laughs> is because the word that we see love here, the Greeks have, actually have three different levels of love that they talk about. And when Jesus first asked Peter, this, the first time he asked Peter, do you love me? He uses the word agape, which is a godlike love. It's a sacrificial love that there's no bounds to the love. And that's the kind of love that God has for us, is an agape love. And so when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He says, do you agape have that kind of love for me? And Peter couldn't handle it. This is before the Holy Spirit came and indwelled and taught them, showed them the power of the love of Jesus Christ. And Peter was only able to answer, I have a filial love for you, which is a brotherly affection. You know, our famous city here, if, anybody, if you ever tell somebody from a different state that you're from Pennsylvania, they either think you're from Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. They forget about us rural people up here. But Philadelphia is Philadelphia. It's friendly, city of friendly or brotherly love. That's all that Peter was able to answer Jesus. I have a brotherly affection for you. And Jesus gives him another opportunity. You know, Peter, do you love me? Do you agape love me? And Peter again answers, filio, I have a brotherly affection for you. That's all I can handle in this. In the limits of my flesh and the limits of my intellect, I can give a brotherly affection to you. And Jesus, being the loving Savior that he is, he asks him a third time. And he says, Peter, do you filio? Do you have a brotherly affection for me? And obviously Peter's already answered it that way three times. He answered two times. And he answers the third time, yes, you know that I love you. And each time Jesus said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And so that was the disciples' purpose, that that was their call to action, is when the Holy Spirit came on them on the day of Pentecost, their purpose was to go and make disciples of all nations. That's our commandment, right? But the thing that Peter was instructed specifically here is that we are to feed the sheep. Who are the sheep? Okay, anybody in here a sheep? <laughs> okay, I'm a sheep. Okay, we're all sheep in his flock. That if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ... He's your Lord and Savior. You are part of his flock. You're his sheep. And so Jesus being the good shepherd, the great shepherd that he is, does he just leave us to ourselves? No. He didn't say feed yourselves to Peter. He said feed my sheep. And so part of the job of pastors 
of elders is a, con, you know, a word that's similar is it's to shepherd. And so as shepherds, we're to be feeding the sheep. And if I got up here and I told you that I have not read my Bible in 12 weeks, <laughs> oh, oh dear, would that be good? What would I have to give to you if I haven't been feeding myself the word of God? Not much at all. And so the challenge for each one of you is don't depend on me. Because am I just a man? Yes. Do I have my faults? Yes. <laughs> that was quick and loud, yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's who I am. That's who I am. So don't depend on me to be your source of the word of God. That's before um, the video. I said that a little bit. Is as parents, as you know, so many grandparents are helping raise their children now. As just people walking through this world. Is you need to be feeding the sheep every single day. You know, those of you that have young children that have you know, grandchildren in your house constantly, is what are you doing to feed them? What are you doing to make sure that they're hearing the word of God so that their foundation is being built firmly underneath them so that when the storms come, they have a firm foundation. They're already rooted into the rock. Shelly's doing a great job downstairs. Okay, those of you that have children down there, she's got volunteers that come down and help her. They're feeding the flock. They're feeding the sheep. But I'm going to say this again, is if this is the only day that your young children, that your grandchildren hear the word of God, shame on you. Because let's make a challenge. This is a challenge to every single one of you out here right now, is how many of you like to eat food? No takers on that one? You know where I'm going with it, don't you? And I've said this before, is if you ate one meal a week, how healthy are you? How strong are you going to be? When the winds and the storms come and buffet you and you haven't eaten for a week and it's day six, you're not going to be able to hang on very firmly. So why do we eat meals every single day? Because our body is constantly requiring new energy to continue functioning. And so if you're not putting food, fuel into your body every single day to keep this thing working, it's not going to continue working very well. We need to have that same passion to keep our spirit alive, to keep our spirit healthy and strong, because that's the important part of us. That's the part that's going to continue on for eternity. This thing, it has its limits. It's not going to last for eternity. We're going to leave this thing behind. And so when's the last time you fed your spirit? Let me make this, this is my challenge to you, is you don't get to eat food unless you've eaten this. Tie them together. Is that when you sit down for your breakfast in the morning, maybe lunch, is read a couple of you know, verses out of the Bible or off your phone. 
but start making a habit where you're getting the word of God, the living word, the food for your spirit into you every single day so that you're not starving by next Sunday. So John chapter 21, Jesus set the example. He said, I'm going to feed you as I teach you. And he had the, you know, the fish and the bread all prepared for them. We have to be careful, though. And this is part of a shepherd's job is that how many of you have ever read the 23rd Psalm? One of the most popular psalms out there, the Shepherd Psalm. Is there's a really good book that I read years ago, and it's I think it was um, printed back in the 70s. It's um, A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. Anybody ever read that? Okay, it's an excellent book. The guy was he was a shepherd. That was his livelihood, and so he had some insights into it. And he took the 23rd Psalm and he broke it down and said, "This is what it means." And the chapter where he says um, about setting a table before my enemies is the shepherd was preparing the table to feed the sheep, right? And as I was reading the, the, that section in the 23rd, or the shepherd's look at the 23rd Psalm, he said where his um, pastures were, there's two flowers that are relatively common, and they were camus flowers, I think is what it is. And there's a blue and a white camus. And the sheep would just devour these flowers. The problem with it is the blue camus was healthy. It was a good flower for them to eat. The white camus, which wasn't as prominent, it was a little more rare, it was it actually killed the sheep. And especially for whatever reason, the toxins in the white camus were especially potent against the lambs, you know, the little sheep. And so this man and his family, they would spend the springtime when the flowers were starting to come up and before they brought the sheep up to the summer pastures is they would go through the field and pull out all of the white camus. They'd be on their hands and knees crawling through these fields to pull the white camus because they, why would they do that? Their job, their livelihood was the sheep. So if you're killing your sheep off by letting them eat whatever was in the field, you're not a good shepherd. And so the physical things that we put in our body, the food that we had, is if I had a nice big old bowl of pasta here, sprinkle a little arsenic on it, just a little bit. I'm not going to put a lot on there. Who wants it? Okay. We all know that arsenic's deadly, right? It'll kill you. And so we have to be careful of what we put in our physical bodies. And I'm not going to get off on a huge tangent on this, but we have to be careful what we put in this thing because there's preservatives. There's cancer-causing agents. There's all kinds of things that are going to make this body not as healthy as it should be. And we're to take care of it. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So why would we purposely eat spaghetti laced with arsenic? You wouldn't. But at the same time, we have to be careful with the Word of God. Because if you don't know the Word of God, and I was looking to deceive you, I could say some things that have a biblical root to them. But then I could put my own thoughts, my own teaching, my own biases into them, and it may sway you to do things that were not godly. Does that ever happen? Yes. We know what cults are, right? Is cults are things that people are looking for answers. They're looking for something to hope in. And a person that's charismatic can draw others to them. 
and teach them falsehoods, teach them lies with just a little bit of truth in it so it sounds good. It's what entices them to come and ingest it, if you will. And so we have to be very careful of what we allow into our spirit, the things that we watch on TV, the things that we listen to, is if they're poisoned even a little bit, why would you allow that into your spirit? So it's a high calling, and it's not just for me to protect myself from the things of the world, because the world, again, what's Satan's role? And if he can take the word of God and twist it, does he ever do that? Look at the temptation that Jesus went through. Was Satan speaking scripture? He was directly quoting scripture, but he was taking it out of context. He was taking it and making it something that it was not intended for. And so he's a liar. We know that. The classes that we run, the ISIM classes, the parenting classes, the um, marriage classes, they're all about building the fellowship between husband and wife, between families, between each one of us. Because as we get to know each other, we also have an idea of where the weaknesses are, right? And we can step alongside and help each other out. We can, you know, link up arms. Um, I kept having the image. Remember a few weeks ago when AJ had everybody stand up around the perimeter here? Okay. Not everybody did it, but quite a few of us, we linked hands, right? The image that came to me is how many of you remember the game Red Rover? <laughs> and I'm not going to have you all do that today, but if we were to do that again today, and there was, again, there was places where nobody had their hands joined, is if Satan's looking to bust up a family, is he going to do it at the point where the hands are held strongly? or where there's no connection, or there's a very weak connection. He's going to look for the weak points. And so that's where we need to have a unified faith, a unified walk with Christ, so that when Satan looks at this fellowship, what he sees is firm links, firm connections, where there's no person standing off by themselves because nobody else wants to hold their hand, or because that person feels like nobody would want to hold their hand or link up arms with them, is that we need to be able to open our arms up to every person that comes through those doors. That's what Jesus did, right? Did he exclude anybody from fellowship? He was chastised by the religious leaders for eating with the sinners, for the outcasts of society, for speaking to lepers. You want to talk about the lowest of the low in that society? And Jesus said, I came for you. There's nobody that he was not willing to speak love and truth into their life. But the, the biggest rebukes that he had were for the religious leaders, the ones that were not feeding the sheep. Um, I think we sent out a text and gave all of you scriptures to read. Did everybody get that? Did everybody read Ezekiel chapter 34? John chapter 10. Anybody read those? Or do we not send it out? Oh, all right. All right, well, Ezekiel chapter 34. Turn there in your Bibles, if you would, please. Go to Psalms and go to right past Isaiah and Jeremiah and then Lamentations, Ezekiel. So slightly to the right of the Psalms. 
Ezekiel 34. And this is God's rebuke, his chastening of the leaders. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, you say the Lord God unto the shepherd. Woe to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and you clothe you with the wool. You kill them that are fed, but you do not feed the flock. The diseased, the diseased have you not strengthened. Neither have you healed that which was sick. Neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. So God used Ezekiel to speak to the leaders there that they weren't doing what he asked of them, was it? The things that we just read there are what he's asking shepherds to do, is go and find the lost. Heal the ones that have been wounded. Go and find them and bring them to yourself. So God doesn't just abandon a sheep. And he says that there's punishment coming for any shepherd that does things like this. But then in verse 11, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will search my will both search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out the flock in the day that is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and the dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them up on the mountains of Israel by the rivers and all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture. I'll rip out the camas flowers. And upon the high mountains of Israel shall they, their fold be. There they shall lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and will cause them to lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and I will feed them with judgment. So as you read those passages, does it sound very familiar to you? First off, it starts with a warning that as shepherds, we are instructed to feed the flock. Peter was instructed that same thing. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, be about the Lord's business. Do the things that Jesus said as an example when he walked this earth in his ministry time of three years. And so God used one of the prophets, Ezekiel, to bring that warning and also to proclaim what was coming. Now turn to John chapter 10, if you will. All the way to the New Testament, John chapter 10. And we've already quoted this a couple different times. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes not but to do what? The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that's his plan. Pretty simple. He's a liar. But the good news, Jesus says, I am come that they might have life. And he's just, does he just give us life? No. He just wants us to scrape by? 
I come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So not just a life. He wants to give us an abundant life filled and directed by his Holy Spirit. Is there anything that can come against us and succeed if we're walking with the Holy Spirit? Nothing in hell. The gates of hell shall not prevail. So it's easy to think of your children, the little ones that all left the room and they're still you know, a baby or two, I think, in here. It's easy to think of them as lambs, right? Little helpless lambs when they're first born. The mother of the flock has to stay around, make sure that they can get to the point where they can stand and run from the wolves. What are we feeding the children? And it goes back to that question is what do we feed ourselves? Is are we feeding ourselves with the pure word of God? Or are we waiting? Are we fasting six days out of the week? Any of you ever done a six-day fast or longer? Anybody ever done a six-day fast or longer? Okay. Start feeling pretty weak by day five, six, don't you? And Ann and I were just talking about this other day. We've been talking about you know, a, a corporate fast again for this fellowship. But... I was making her a peanut butter toast the other night. And it just flashed back in my mind is a lot of times when I fast, just the smell of peanut butter. It's like this glorious smell. Because if you fast from food, it heightens your senses. Your sense of smell just becomes heightened. That Everything has just a, just a more glorious smell or odor to it. But with lambs, the same thing is if we make them fast for six days a week and then when they come to the banqueting table, what are they going to do? They're going to gorge themselves and that's not healthy. Um, when you're coming off a fast, it's not a good idea to eat a big four-course meal. you got to ease your body back into it. But with the word of God, we can't overdose on it. You can't outdo God's provision. And so if you've been fasting for years without the word of God and all of a sudden you're exposed to it, you want more. You want more. And God being the loving father that he is, he's going to allow you to take as much as you think you can handle. And he's going to allow you to assimilate it. He's going to allow it to impact your life. But we have to be making sure every single day that this is part of our diet because without it, our foundation's weak. And when the storms come, it's going to rock us that much more. But there, the good news of all this and what was um, alluded to in Ezekiel is in verse 11, already pronounced that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So if you're ashamed or afraid, I don't want to be a sheep. Because what's one of the things that we know about sheep? Dumb, cowards, stupid. All the adjectives you want to throw out there. Sheep are not considered one of the most intelligent animals. Okay. So in my own pride, 
I push back against that a little bit. I don't want to be a dumb sheep. And we don't want to be the goats. But everything that Jesus talks about, that in so many places, the sheep were familiar to the entire Bible people. The history of the Bible is filled with shepherds. You know, David was the shepherd. And he teaches so many things about it. And for us to say that we're sheep only is the admission that we need a savior, that we need somebody that's smarter than us, that loves us more than we love ourselves or that anybody else loves us. That's all the admitting that you're a sheep is, is you're saying apart from the good shepherd, there's no hope. There's no reason to even be here apart from the good shepherd. And so in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. But he that's a hireling and not a shepherd whose own the sheep are not sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care for the sheep. Jesus says again in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I am known of my own. And as the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I also must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. That's agape love. That's when Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? And Peter could not fathom the depth of agape love that was going to take Jesus and put him on that cross and say, sheep, I'm doing this for you. So you don't have to die because of your sins, because of your unrighteousness, because you don't have enough time in this life to do enough good things to redeem yourself. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and I'm going to lay my life down to take your place. That's the gospel. That's the simplicity of the gospel right there, is that all of us are going to hell apart from our salvation in Christ. That's the simple truth. thinking about your children, your grandchildren, is if you've given them no foundation in Christ and they go to public school, they go to private school, they go to the Christian school, they're homeschooled, are they going to encounter any bullying? Are they going to encounter any attacks from the enemy? It doesn't matter where they are. The only place that they're safe is in Christ. And so my challenge, my admonition, my plea is don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted that you're going to bring them here once a week or maybe twice a week if they come to the youth group on Wednesday and they're going to hear all the word of God that they need. Shelley's doing a great job. Beth and Kurt, Kelly are doing a great job. But if that's all they get of the word of God, they're not as strong as they could be, as they should be. And so when 
the bullying comes, when the turmoil comes in their lives, what are they going to lean on? Are they going to lean on the few scraps that they've gotten Sunday morning or Wednesday? Or are they going to have that foundation that you've laid underneath them because you've read the Bible to them every night before they go to bed? You've prayed with them every day as they head off to school. Have you set the foundation? Have you fed your sheep? That's the question I want every one of you to ask. Are you feeding your sheep? So Ezekiel 34 and John chapter 10, I'm going to ask every read that later, post-service today. Is a read the, they're powerful scriptures, and the way they tie together is Ezekiel was talking about the coming of the good shepherd and what he's going to do. He's going to go and he's going to find his sheep and he's going to bring them back from wherever they happen to be. He's not going to run when the enemy, when the wolf comes to devour the flock. He's going to stand between you and the wolf. He says it very blatantly in John chapter 10. So, Family and fellowship is the theme of this month. The family's growing. The Spencer's going to join us because the work that God's doing here requires workers. It requires all of you to be a solid foundation for any new people or any lost sheep that come through those doors is who's going to greet them. If age and I are the only ones greeting people, we're going to miss a few of you. All of you have that role too. Building the relationships, sinking our roots, our anchors in deep into the rock is what we're doing. And for the close of service today, what we want to do is we're going to do communion. And so if everybody would come forward and prepare this, we're going to do it differently. We're all about doing things a little differently these last few years, this last couple months, is we're not going to pass the elements. You're not going to come and get the elements and then go sit back down. We've got six different stations set up, so if everybody would arrange those, bring those um, forwards away from the um, walls, is we're going to have you cluster in groups. And keep in mind, there's three stations behind you. And what we want you all to do is come forward and just gather around each of these stations. You may have to crowd a little bit. Go ahead and start coming forwards and, or going backwards. Is look and see where there's an empty spot. This table is also going to be available for you. Please wait until the elements have all arrived.